Yes, let's talk. So you wanted to talk social medias. Last oh, yeah, time. yeah. So on our last podcast, which I know we're recording another one like incredibly soon after, which is unusual yeah. for us, but we just have so many things we want to talk about. And one of the big topics we didn't get to was how in the space of when we started the Evil Life webcomic until now, your the way that you interact with Instagram and social media has completely changed. Uh, I think I think I have the pandemic to thank for that. I think I wanted to, like, I, I found myself with more time on my hands. And uh, I just started to, I had this old Instagram account. I looked it up. I, apparently, I started it in 2011, which is so early. I think that's like a year into Instagram. And then I never used it. And for some reason, it never automatically deleted either. I think I got it for, you know, it was this app where you could add filters and I tried it once and then right. just left it alone. So this was even before I think pay, uh, Facebook purchased it. I think that was like a few years into, into Instagram. Uh, no, but what happened was I noticed that a lot of people posted their bills on Instagram. And when I'm talking about, I should probably explain what I mean by bills. Definitely. Okay. So aside from uh, drawing comics, uh, I enjoy building, I guess, mostly movie replicas, uh, predominantly Star Wars stuff. So I'll build like a Star Wars helmet. It used to be every once in a while, like a couple of helmets a year. But what happened was uh, I started looking at what other people were building and I started building more myself. And as the response started getting more and more positive, people started to respond, responding to my builds and, you know, asking questions. We started trading tips. Uh, a lot of people started, uh, uh, what do you even call it? In, I guess I aming in Instagram, D direct messaging. Anyway, they started messaging me that directly yeah. asking for, for tips and, uh, like what materials do you use? What materials do I use? And, uh, it just grew from there basically. And, uh, man, I don't, I don't, I, I think I built, what was it? Like four? stormtrooper helmets last year and that okay. was just stormtrooper helmets and i built a bunch of other helmets and stuff and blasters and man i built a i built a, a baby yoda that was fun and weird i i don't I, I had to relearn sewing just to make his little like outfit uh yeah so that kind of blew up and uh it's been really fun and uh, so i've built sort of like many relationships with a couple of people who would message who message me every once in a while just you know hey what's up what's your next build gonna be and i'm like oh it's this and they'll go oh, i'm working on this and yeah kind of that kind of back and forth it's kind <laughs> of fun and it kind of suits a pandemic as well just you know getting touch in touch with people who you don't even it feels like early internet you know like forum internet yeah. when people used to hang out on message boards and just talking to strangers and giving and people being kind of Man, people are so nice on Instagram. I never thought I'd say that. No, it's different. Uh, it really is different, right, than other – It's it, the snarkiness is just not – don't get me wrong. It can be rude sometimes. But yeah. it's not like it was on – I don't know. On Facebook, it's, I feel like people, their default response is to, like, try and – they always want to, like, chime in with some, like, quippy joke or whatever. But I feel yeah. like on Instagram, it's a very encouraging environment typically. Yeah, it's just so positive all the time. People are just so encouraging, and uh, and, um, and and whenever you respond to someone else's build, and you go, "Oh, have you thought about trying it like this or that?" Just you know, constructive criticism, not 
criticism, criticism, they'll, res they'll respond really positively to it as well. Like, oh, that's a great suggestion. And, oh, I, I'm actually going to do that is a pretty common response as well because usually they've, they've already gone through all those all that decision making but just been so much fun i wasn't expecting expecting it to be that positive to be honest social media has i guess i guess my idea of social media is that it's always going to be toxic and uh, especially uh, a platform that's so big as instagram is but it has a sense of community which is also kind of weird because it doesn't have a group system like you would get with Facebook where you have these closed groups. Instead, you, it's all open unless you choose to, you know, have a closed account, obviously. But And it's for the most part anonymous as well, which is also kind of, kind of weird. Yeah, it's something that has been really heartening to me is seeing you just sharing for the sake of putting your process out there because you'd be building these things regardless. Oh yeah. Yeah. And just I seeing how I... excited everybody has <laughs> been about it. That just, just being a friend, watching a friend share their work and seeing other people be really excited about it. I've loved seeing that process happen. Well, thank you. And it's, it, it has been like a lot of fun. Do you have a favorite like build Dude, I, I, see, I'm not going to be good with the names because you, oh, don't you have like a lot of specific terminology, but you did a Stormtrooper helmet, I want to say, in the fall or towards the end of last year mm -hmm. that I think had some type of video game crossover that I didn't know. Oh, but the it looked one? so sick. It almost had like a mohawky type element to it. <laughs> it did. The pink one. Uh, yeah. That's my phone's wallpaper. Uh, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> you know you did good when it goes on your wallpaper. Oh, yeah, like if you want to see it like every single day, whenever you pick up your phone, then that's a good bill. Oh, I really like that one. It, it just stemmed from a single idea, and that was, I want to build something pink. That was it. Was I right? Is that the one that has like like part of the design element is from a video game, or was that another one I'm confusing it with? Sort of. It has like a Borderlands kind of aesthetic to it like one of those post-apocalyptic kind of video games but okay. it doesn't it doesn't really it borrows it has a mixed design language so what what i did was it, it has like a white skull painted on it and a and a pink spatter and um it really well actually there were two ideas i wanted to make something pink but i also also want to emphasize the skull aspect of a stormtrooper helmet so i really wanted to make the nose and teeth and everything feel like even more like a skull face than it already is yeah and um everything else going from there was really to add as much you know post apocalyptic punk uh, to it as possible spikes and a mohawk and uh, more spikes and uh pink on the mohawk uh whatever I could really just make that stuff pop as much as possible. Um, that was basically it. Like uh, I, I pictured in my head and I wanted to build something that just screamed like badass, Mad Max, a uh, rage borderlands, whatever, whatever your favorite post-apocalyptic uh, punk kind of aesthetic is. That's probably one of the places I borrowed some of the aesthetic from take it that's one of my favorites i have another one that's like a porcelain it's kind of the polar opposite of that one it's like a porcelain helmet uh, that oh, looks is that like... the one you did the photo shoot with the the, 
the teapot. Oh yeah, with the tea. Yeah, exactly. Or I think it's like a teacup. I'm actually drinking tea. Oh from my god, that I, I am right. Cup. Let me get mine out. Here, can we? Yeah. Let's do a double sip and then we'll play the opening theme. You ready? I just drank. I drank my final. Okay, I'll pretend sip. Yeah, I pretend the actually... sip. That's good. Come on, don't okay, ruin the yeah. illusion. You ready? Three, <laughs> okay, two, two, one. That's oh. some good tea. Ooh, the simultaneous ah, that was good. Yeah. Uh, did you extend the pinky though, as you drank the coffee? No. No, that's not very classy. Should we do it again? It? Should we do it double with the pinky take? With the pinky out for the listeners. <laughs> on three. Oh yeah. Okay, hold on. Yeah. Wow, I really appreciate your commitment because you have no tea and you're gonna put exactly. a pinky. I don't know if I well, can hold this mug and put a pinky out. It kind of hurts. Okay, here we go. Three, three, two, one. Yeah. My pinky That's was nice. out, but I wasn't feeling it. Well, I mean, it's really only there to counteract the how unclassy it is to do the at the end, right? So it's really to, to balance it out because they're not really supposed to make noises after you drink or for that matter, slurp. So it's really just to, yeah. to balance it out. Well, we don't um, play no, by but the I think rules. Those are, we're... we're um, the bad boys of podcasts about webcomics. That's me. Yeah, that's those are probably my favorite, my two favorite uh, builds of the last year, and they're almost they're almost polar opposites in terms of aesthetic, uh, and they're kind of weird, and I like it. I, I think those are yeah. I did another one at the beginning of this year as well, which is this. Um, I try to envision what a stormtrooper helmet would look like if it was an actual head of a creature, Ooh. like because uh, it, it, it has a face already. So, but but what well, well, but what are the different parts of that helmet if they were features of a head? Like, what would the ears look like? What would those microphone tips at the very bottom of the helmet look like? What if they were tusks or horns instead? So, I what, what and what about the unibrow? Would it be hairy or would it be scaly? What about the unibrow? That's what everybody what wants to know. Exactly. What is it? It's just like a piece of rubber. But what is it? If it was an actual unibrow? what would it look like uh i went with scales over fur yeah it would have been fun to do like a hairy unibrow though mm-hmm. but uh i've I, i've it felt more lizardly like the thing i built at the very end it felt more reptilian um so it didn't get any hair at all um but that was a fun build as well did i see that i feel like i don't remember that one yet i gotta go look at that it's from let me give you a date probably easiest uh january I'm 4th i'm just going right to your profile i'll know which one it is when i see yeah yeah but january 4th i mean that's sort of what i like about instagram it's all chronological you can just as long as you remember roughly the time of year you build something you can just scroll down oh yeah i see that makes a lot of sense i did yeah, not I, I don't think i actually read the post on it so i didn't totally get i do remember reading this phrase demon trooper 
Oh yeah, because it's that's what it is. I guess it's it's kind of like a because a demon could look like anything. So I basically called it a demon trooper because, uh, what else would it be? I guess. Oh, dude, I totally see it now. So the unibrow, the, obviously the yeah. eyes, the slits for the nose, but then the the nose, what we think of as the snout of the tor- stormtrooper helmet. Actually, the slit above it becomes the mouth, and that and the snout becomes the chin. Yeah. And um, the the it has like these blue stripes at the sides. I made that into war paints, and yeah. um, and since I wanted the eyes to be smaller, it looked kind of goofy having eyes that were as big as the actual holes on the face. So what I did it, I just darkened the areas around the eyes instead, like that being just darker skin. Like maybe, like maybe I, he hasn't slept well in in a while. <laughs> he has these bags under his eyes, but. Um, yeah, it was just a fun thing to play around with and trying to make like a skin pattern. And all I did was I 3D printed a regular Stormtrooper helmet and then I just sculpted with clay on top of it uh, to build and build and build these different, like more organic looking features. It's a great design. I love the way it's it emotes. A, and it's a fun process as well. Space is becoming an issue though. Uh, <laughs> all these helmets, they take up a lot of space. Uh but that's a that's a problem for another day. That's that's future me's problem. I can I can currently store all, all my helmets perfectly fine right now. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but which, if you if you had to enter yeah. one of your builds in a stormtrooper build contest, is there a such thing? Mm-hmm. I have. Uh, no clue. Sure. Why not? Yes, there is. Who, yes. who would be, who, which helmet would be the one that you would put in? Oh man. Uh, I think since it's on, if there are no requirements, no like prerequisite requirements for, you know, it has to be like screen accurate. It has to be no, there's, an actual you know what? There's no requirements whatever. because actually we're cheating. We're running the contest. So, <laughs> okay. So I, I'd have to go with one of the ones we already talked about, either the porcelain one or the the mohawk one, just because they are the most unique. Yeah, in my opinion. But the thing is, actually, the porcelain one's not that unique. There's a there's a hot toys figure that I that inspired that build. So it's actually me thinking, why hasn't anyone built like an official build, uh, like Anovos or any of Hasbro, any of the big companies who build these helmets, why haven't they taken this hot toy figure and turned that into a helmet? It would look great. And since there wasn't one, I had to make one on my own. So I guess I'd enter the the Mohawk because that one's completely original. Yeah, or, do, the or do you enter the one that's been inspired because well, then I mean, there's that air of familiarity that that can like entice sure. a voter who's like who, who like recognizes where it comes from. And as far as contests go, you'd expect a lot of people to enter stuff that looks badass, that stands out as being like just uh, looks like a character that could win a fight. While the porcelain one is just calming to look at. Mm. and maybe that is enough that it stands out in the crowd plus it still oh, has that white that white aesthetic when I think of a stormtrooper the thing I feel like that resonates the most with me is how relaxing and calming they are <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, you never feel as though they can hit you with anything. Okay. You always feel a little safe. Um, they make me feel detail, safe, yeah. Are, are you looking at it right now? I am actually looking because, at it right now. So my favorite detail on it is actually, you know where the mic tips would be at the bottom? Yeah. Those are actually um, drawer handles. No way. Made of actual, yeah, made of actual porcelain. So I already had those, and I was like, I have to use these. So they're screwed on like you would on a normal, um, on a normal drawer. Wait, are you telling me you just had drawer handles hanging around that were fangs? Yes, <laughs> that were <laughs> fangship. That were uh, yeah, that were uh, already porcelain, and that were we are talking about the porcelain one, by the way, not the demon one. Oh wait a minute, what? Not not the demon. I don't have fang shaped I didn't, uh, door. I, I didn't re I thought when you were yeah, my brain sort of yeah didn't follow uh, through. Right. Por okay, porcelain one. Yeah, the now porcelain. I'm on Those it. are actually knobs uh, like oh, that yeah, you'd yeah. have on a on I a dresser drawer. Seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had a few spare ones, and I just these will be just they'll work perfectly. So they're actually made out of porcelain, unlike the rest of the bill, which is all plastic. It's got a great that blue you got is like the perfect makes you think of like a cute tea set blue i think i used like a, a pretty like calming looking airbrush color for it well the rest of it is spray painted but the blue is actually this just kind of nice looking airbrush like hobby regular hobby paint but after i hit it with a couple of layers of um uh, of clear coat it mm -hmm. just really like got a nice sheen to it yeah it looks like a teapot it, it really pop yeah yeah yeah, so that's probably my favorite one. You can't really tell from the picture, but the eyes are actually, just to contrast with the rest, because I like contrasting colors, yeah. the eyes are actually yellow. And you can't really see it because they're so dark. I can see them shining like, a little differently they're, than the like helmet that's am, next to it. Well, actually, I guess they're amber. Yeah, I, I see it. it. I can see still, that. Yeah, there's a little cause, tinge cause I wanted, of orange in the reflection. Because yeah. I wanted like a contrast with the blue. And... Um, it's the same with the mohawk one. I picked blue eyes for that one because I wanted something that popped with the pink. Just, you know, just to have one additional color that sort of complements the first one. And it's really just to, you know, segue to our comic, we have that, the same kind of color logic behind the Squid Squad. Green and, green and pink. Yep. Much like original those original Saturday morning cartoon shows that they you want these um, these uh, opposing color schemes for villains for these striking contrasts, but you want a usually like when we went with the orange and yellow color scheme for our heroes, we went with colors that are closer together because you get like a, a calm. It, it gives a it's much more calming to look at two colors that are pretty close to each other, like orange and red, orange and yellow. Right. While having these contrasting colors feels, I guess, more stark, which is what we gave our villains. I feel like we spent more than any other comic I've ever made. We spent more time discussing how we were going to denote stuff with color from the very oh, yeah. beginning of this idea than I ever had previously. All technology and clothing and everything like that really only has, I think, four or five different types of color per team. 
yeah. at most. And then we're talking about detail colors as well, like me metallics and, and stuff like that. Like you'll notice if we go to today's issue that uh, Motorboater's pillow is the same color as the wrapping around the wrench. Mm. Yeah, there's it's a the lot of consistency yellow. in the color there, which is yeah. I enjoy like when I'm when I'm getting up in there and I'm lettering and I'm looking at all that stuff. I notice a lot because occasionally I'll drop in a tiny little speck of color for um to like kind of like so there isn't something tangenting too much on a word balloon or something like that. And whenever I have to mm -hmm. do that, I notice I'm like, oh yeah, Nils is really working with a very specific palette in this scene and he's returning to certain colors over and over again and then a lot of that gets differentiated or accentuated by the lighting that you choose to use for any given scene so if they're out in the water there's going to be yeah. a, kind of a water filter on them if they're somewhere in the ship where there's an emergency there's going to be a color filter in the scene we're talking about from episode number 25 the thing that changes it a bit is we're in motorboater's room but she's been kind of bummed out over losing Precious, mm -hmm. all the lights are off. It's dimmer in there. And that's casting a different kind of shadow on the characters. Except for the light that's coming from the door. Right, uh, which, which, I, is... which is a great way to do light source in a space where there's a lit yeah. shared space. And then you're going into an individual's darker space. Exactly. And uh, you know what? I, we never actually talked about this. But the palette I've used for most of the comic was actually the first original concept drawing for the cute crew. So when I usually you'll work with a, you know, a colored palette, you'll add the colors in Photoshop or something like that. But I had the original JPEG of the crew next to whatever I was drawing. So I just sampled colors from the crew. I love that. I had no idea you did that. Yeah, just, you know, to be consistent. And as you said, um, whenever we had water on top of anything, the original colors would always be underneath. So whatever you know, water... I noticed that I, in the case yeah. of the squids in particular, that yeah. it was always... Because sometimes I'd be like, oh, yeah, they got a different kind of vibe going on here. And for example, our next episode, 26, that we'll do after this is at the bottom of the ocean. And when you see oh, yeah. them, the squids very much kind of blend into the ocean itself but you're telling me if i take your filters off i'll be looking at that that kind of bright purple again it should well those squids are very specific to they're a specific type of squid but they will have the same color as the concept for that specific tribe of squid okay and but there are, are the but you know they're are they're, they're the... different those squids oh those are the hairy scaries. Yes. I don't want to say the name in case that would be a spoiler or not. Nah, but but yes. Fine. Ah, okay, okay. Well, I mean, yeah, the hairy scaries are they are less saturated than the other squids. Ah, uh, that makes sense. And if you look at the original, it's it the, the original concept art for the hairy scaries is really goofy looking. It, in it particular, it has like "why you little" expression on, yeah. on his face. <laughs> and when but, I, I remember when you did that design, thinking to myself, "Oh man, this feels like something right out of like a mid '70s Saturday oh, yeah. morning cartoon, like um, like a Hanna Barbera kind yeah, of." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, even a little yeah. bit, there was there's one particular cartoon I feel like it reminds me of that I can't quite put my finger on. But I used to be a big. You have to tell me if this. I'd imagine this transferred over to Sweden. Um, or mm -hmm. you're just a pop culture uh, uh, scholar, anyway. But it I grew up with Cartoon me... Network, so uh, right. maybe I've maybe I've uh, I watched it. Uh, Fat Albert 
there was a certain art style to the gangliness yeah. of the designs. And those squids, for some reason, really reminded me of that type of art. We never got Fat Albert, but but I I mean I know I know of of Fat Albert. <laughs> I know of this. I mean, Fat I mean, Albert. I know I know it, but I have I've never really gone back and watched it, um, especially not now with you know Cosby and all. Yeah. Uh, but, but I may have considered it once or twice, but never. Didn't Cosby do like a hey 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 his hey 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 kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, that that was Fat Albert's leaving, uh, leaving the Yeah, leaving the courthouse. Yeah. Yeah, that's a shame, man. Yeah, what, what an asshole. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be like an. That would be quite the understatement. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like an asshole's someone who cuts you off in traffic. Yeah, fair, fair. You're right. You're right. Yeah. I just, you know, what's um, wrong with these celebrities? Why did it gotta be? I guess it's not just celebrities. Those are just the ones we find out about. I've gotten to the point where a celebrity's name pops up in the news, and if it's someone I've always appreciated, like their their work their body of work um i'm always a little bit scared uh, that it'll be something really really bad that'll sort of hurt my i don't know re-watching of their material or rereading or oh, like, yeah. please don't be another one of those and, i got i, I mean, got so many people over the past decade or so that i've just eliminated from they're not they're not getting rewatched anymore i flipped a channel i'm turning yeah. the radio i don't need to watch that i don't need to listen to that you know, it's like they had their chance. They fucked up. And to me, it's really, it comes down to, um, it really comes down to not only what have they done, but what kind of medium do they perform in? So, okay, for instance, if it's a, so for instance, if we're, if we're talking stand-up comedians, um, I still have not watched a show by Louis C.K. No, I can't I've, do it. I can't, it can't I've be, because it's so much them too, like. In stand-up, exactly. you're really, you're getting that very personal. It's not even that they're playing a character, which which adds an extra layer of, of I don't know, I guess, um, what, what would be the phrase? Like, it's, a, it's an extra barrier towards seeing their actions off-screen as the same person as their actions on-screen. But when it's, exactly. when it's stand-up, it's like, it just is them. I know sometimes Step- you play a character, but with him? Mm-mm. Sure. And all stories aren't necessarily true either in stand-up. For, but for the most part, it's right. almost like comedy therapy. Like, it's it's them just sharing their uh, deepest and darkest shower thoughts, in a way, for yeah. the most part. And once you've done something like that, you as a person, because you are sort of your own brand as well, man, just doesn't work. And... Yeah. Um, I, I accidentally saw Louis C.K. in something. I don't remember what it was, but it wasn't that long ago. I think it was Parks and Rec. He popped because he has a small part in that show, and that kind of worked. Seeing him as an actor, yeah, because then it's then it's not Louis C.K. the um, the stand-up comedian. It's just that guy he's playing in a role. Mm-hmm. That sort of worked, even though the character was not that far off. From his personality, right? Because they but get him to be as close to his—he's famous for his stand-up, so they want him to be like his stand-up. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's kind of like a, a more modest, dumbed-down version of himself. But still, it was far enough away from his regular personality that I wasn't. Plus, his action—he's not—he wasn't Bill Cosby either. His actions weren't as bad as. So I think that helped at least a little bit to mitigate it. But it's still—I haven't been able to. I know he's released like a new show. 
but I haven't been able to, yeah, to watch it. I can't can't do it with that kind of guy. That, you know, I mean, I've taken a fairly hard stance on a lot of this stuff where I'm like, look, there are so many interesting artists out there. Why should I spend my time revisiting something I might have enjoyed in the past by an artist who's built their name on taking advantage of people or used the name that they built to take advantage of people? whether or not they built it on that, you know? And I just think to myself, like, I could just, even though I'm, you know, re-watching a Mel Gibson movie, I'm not necessarily, he's not necessarily getting anything from me re-watching it or not. So no. it's not like, I just, I, I feel like, what's the point? There's other movies out there. There's other stuff well, out there. And with people who have such a, like, a large body of work like Mel Gibson, you all, we, you always... You can you can at the very least think that maybe he wasn't that guy when he did that <laughs> film. I mean, if you sort I of know what you mean, yeah. Excuse. No, but because sometimes people get weirder and weirder with age. Sometimes they're at a bad place in their lives. Sometimes, like like I'm not I'm not of the opinion that I have to see a person as being a solely bad or a good person throughout the entire day. Like there's always room for forgiveness and retribution and, and uh, I was about to say retribution. Uh, no, but reconciliation and <laughs> revenge. revenge. Uh, <laughs> but there's always room to make amends and try to better yourself. We, we all, I mean, just cause no, I, I do and, agree with you. I and think that's true. It all kind of all depends on what the person has done. Obviously, like there's no coming back from, uh, from Bill Cosby for from what he did, but I suppose there is possibly mm-hmm. some coming back from from Louis C.K. and I mean other people like um, like do you, do you have you read about Dan Harmon and what what happened? I I honestly don't remember. I mean it, he's not somebody whose work I was very connected with to begin with, and and so I a lot of these things that happen I just you know I just think well. That person's an asshole. I'm done, and then I, I think forget. that works a lot of the time. If you were talking about just stuff that you felt, oh, that was good. Ah, that sucks. That guy was an asshole. I'm not going to watch his stuff anymore. That works. But if it's something that, at least if you're of the same mindset as I am, where you enjoy like a a, a show not only for the quality of it, but for nostalgic reasons as well, like it's a big part of your childhood, then you're then not able to revisit it. You lose a large chunk of your uh, of a time of your life that you'd like to revisit but you really can't so so some so in some regard it's also damaging or possibly damaging yeah. if the wrong person's done something i mean star wars is obviously like my biggest uh star wars is my favorite it's a huge part of my childhood nothing's really come up so far that's sort of maybe not be able to watch star wars but that would really hurt like if Mark Hamill, if Mark you know Hamill was especially out, yeah. problematic, yeah. that bothered me though. Um, all yeah. three prequels, and I just hate George Lucas for those. But I mean, that, that's a different story. <laughs> but if we're talking the original trilogy, but no, no, original I know, trilogy, I know. Let, let's say Mark Hamill turns out to be a monster. Uh, that that would be no, nah, no, come on, I know, no I know, way, no way. But we said that about Bill Cosby as well. Like he was like a father figure to a lot of people. I mean, yeah. let's say that's. What happens, that would be painful. That would be the worst. That would be nuts. I can't even picture yeah. what that would so, be like. I mean, yeah, you can usually move on from most creators. But there are those. 
Yeah, the Cosby one, I mean, that was especially poignant because my family comes from Philadelphia and a lot of his old comedy was very much rooted in stories he told about that. So we used to kind of revisit those together and, and there was an air of that. And then it just goes through the different generations he's been involved in. So you've seen him in this movie, you've seen him in in this show or whatever. And, you know, for me, it was, there was a somewhat of a a nostalgic connection to it. But obviously, there's a point at which the gravity of the situation just trumps the nostalgia in any way whatsoever, you know. And, um, And that wasn't a hard choice for me to make. But, you know, I do struggle with some artists like you know for for example i really love Mm -hmm. james brown's music and knowing that he kind of had a duality to him of of this great performer who enabled a lot of other musicians to make great music but then behind the screen scenes would often treat a lot of those people very poorly whether it was in a business sense or even just on a one-on-one sense or even in in the occasions when he was abusive to people around him that makes it tough for me to revisit his work but I can't completely separate myself from an appreciation of what he accomplished. Music is a lot like stand-up comedy in that regard, that you have that, it's it's a very personal connection with the artist. And and a lot of the time it's, yeah. I'm sure there's there are backup vocals and other instruments on stage, but if it is a sole performer, that's the songwriter behind the song and the main performer as well. You still get that, you know, almost direct contact with the artist. That is a very personal connection. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's tricky. And with me, I, I love his band and I love a lot of the musicians who played with him who um, eventually left because of his behavior and the environment that he created. So when I go back and I listen to a lot of those songs, I know who's playing what on the song. And I think to myself, oh, this is great for the Maceo performance. This is great for the um, Clyde Stubblefield performance or whoever it is. You know, So I'm not thinking about uh, that stuff in the same way. But it, it really does pose an interesting conundrum that we found ourselves in where our entertainment industries have been in a lot of ways built to protect people who hurt other people definitely and then when you learn about that making the choices to continue to interact with their work whether that work was 60 years ago or six years ago it it really does pose an interesting problem that i don't think we really prepared ourselves for when we entered into this landscape of sharing art with in the way the way that we share it so quickly and frequently especially now with with things just being a touch away streaming you know it's one thing to have somebody and you're like i ah, just take them off the air we don't have to see them again but now every artist's work is really yeah. archived yeah absolutely and it's really tough and, and we're getting pretty close to the since we're talking about artists that have been around for so long, a lot of them won't be around for very much longer either. And what happens when they die, when mm. you lose that, um, when they can't really do yeah. the apology tour anymore, when they can't really make amends for what they've done. Um, do we see yeah. their body of work and who they were at the time as a piece of history and a piece of that time? Because a lot of the time you are also part of your own you know, upbringing as well. I'm not excusing any, you know, bad behavior or so. I mean, and there has always been bad, bad behaviors, always been bad behavior. But sometimes if we're talking about values, uh, those have obviously changed throughout time. And so the question should also be how judgmental should we be in terms of how, for instance, sexist people have been throughout history. I mean, if we look at a movie from the 1950s and 60s, we kind of 
that sort of comes with the territory. Um, should we boycott movies from the 50s and 60s? Or obviously we should celebrate those films that were ahead of their time, but how should we view movies that weren't ahead of their time? Should we view them at all? Or should we, uh, that, that, that is to me, or should we not? I mean, that is really the, the question. Um, I, I agree with you, Nils. This <laughs> hey, is God. Hey, God. I'm back. And I, I have some opinions sure. about this, which is basically fuck them. <laughs> okay. That's... If, if they were an asshole, fuck them. You know? Because I did, I, I feel like I've put a really good example out there for how to do things, right? Sure. Maybe? I, I mean, I, I mean, it's hard to say. Yeah. Some of the stories get a little weird I'll, at times. Uh, and I, maybe, maybe I was a changes. little harsh with the... Maybe I smited too easily, okay? Yeah, um, maybe. maybe. And, and maybe I've been a little lax on the whole kind of, you know, uh, diseases-ish type thing. You could. But, Overall, remember I had that one kid. He was pretty cool, right? Man. And I feel like you yeah. know your child is your legacy. Sure. You know. So um, so fuck him. <laughs> That's what I got. Thanks, God. Got out. There is there is one person who actually managed to apologize in a really good way, and that is that, uh, that, yeah, that you felt was sufficient. Yeah. That I felt was, was, was it God. So that was, was it God just well, now. Besides God, obviously. Okay. Uh, the ultimate uh, apologist, apologizer. Um, uh, Dan Harmon, the, the guy behind Community, uh, he did Rick and Morty as well, that guy. Yeah. Um, so he, uh, not to go too deeply into it, he basically used his uh, power as boss to hit on one of his employees, one of his writers, and um, mm -hmm. What happened was afterwards was that he didn't, he sort of, he saw his own bad behavior and not only yeah. uh, publicly apologized, which the person he uh, originally had defended, actually, she, she forgave him uh, publicly as well, which is sort of a okay. big deal in my opinion. I mean, if the person who was actually, uh, who was actually harassed by Dan Harmon accepted his apology, I feel as I... I can as well, because that's really what's the most. Anyway, um, but yeah. what also happened was I've seen multiple shows. You know, he does these these uh, podcast tours. He talks about stuff uh, on multiple occasions. He's brought it up himself and revisited the series of events where he basically paints a pretty clear picture of him being the monster of the story. Yeah, not being the the least bit apologetic but instead trying to inform other people of how you can ex exude toxic behavior almost without even realizing it, because that was sort of the problem. He didn't really realize that he what he was doing was wrong until he sort of, until it dawned on him. So he, you, yeah, you're saying this is like an example of somebody who's not just saying sorry, but like kind of trying to make up for what they've done by hopefully educating other people exactly but but take but being accountable for it at the same time not exactly like, oh yeah yeah saying, yeah not he's not yeah. looking for uh praise he's not looking for he's really only sort of it's it almost feels therapeutic from his standpoint like he really needs to express this uh to the public and what's really interesting yeah. is you sort of 
since he's a storyteller, since he's a writer, um, he's really articulate as well. He's really good at retelling these stories and really communicating his mindset to people who haven't experienced this behavior themselves. So he's really good at just, you know, painting a clear picture of this was what I was going through. This is why I didn't understand why this behavior was bad. This is why it is bad. Like so he goes through this, through it all. And the, the best part is he starts off one of these talks with, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to condemn any of the things I did. I'm just going to state everything as, you know, neutrally and unbiased as possible because I'm going to let your morals figure out if my behavior was bad or not. Like you be the mm -hmm. judge of what I did was good or wrong um, because if you cannot figure that out on your own, you're kind of in trouble. That's not mm -hmm. exactly what he said, but he had like a pretty good point that I mean, it's, he's, it's not interesting to, he's not trying to take with yeah, it. He's not preaching. Instead, just listen to what I what I thought and what I did and what, what I thought was right. And if you get the sense of, oh no, this isn't going in a good direction at all, then you're probably then you're probably um, doing something right. Um, it was really interesting following his story. And I feel as though I can watch Dan Harmon's stuff, even though the stuff he did was not that far off from what Louis C.K. did. Minus the penis stuff. He didn't do the penis stuff. Yeah, Louis got issues, man. What the heck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What the absolute heck? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's really interesting. Are we talking... This is We're so off from comics. We derailed talk. a little, but it's an interesting conversation. It's hard to resist the allure of... of we're not debating. We're, I guess we're like comparing perspectives on this stuff. I thought we'd already talked enough politics before we get, got started. Like we, we sort of tried to flush that out before we started talking about comics, but apparently well, not. Well, you know, something, just, just a, my personal end note for this stuff. Mm -hmm. The thing that I find that I spend a lot of time in my life working through now is like, and I think this is anything. This isn't necessarily related to people who've just been um, outed for abusive behavior. But it's, it can be really difficult sometimes to choose just on a daily basis how you want to align yourself ethically just in, in, in very minor social situations. Like, it's not that I don't have a perspective on what I believe to be right and wrong for the situation, but sometimes it's like, where is your line in different situations? I struggle with that a lot, trying to understand, is this somebody I still want to communicate with? If I disagree with something that they did, you know, but not, not just disagree, like, like, oh, you should have, you know, picked your grandma up sooner. Like, <laughs> you yeah, know, like, yeah. you know, it's it, sometimes with comics is somebody's choice of collaborator. Sometimes it's their choice of project. Um, you know, for me, uh, it, in some of my experiences, it's like, well, did you tell me one thing? But then I feel like I saw you go and do another thing that was actually hurtful to somebody. Oh yeah. Um, but even just in the space of comics, it's, it's tough to make those choices. You know how to continue or not continue relationships. Those things are really tricky. I, I'm sort of, I mean, opinions, opinions change. And sometimes right. some people express like really, I mean, some people, sometimes people express really, you know, nasty opinions, uh, in certain times in their life, like if they are going through something really stressful and as long as you know sort of where it's coming from, I'm of the, of the opinion that you can usually wait that out, 
and not I'm not the shunning type I think I think even though people's even though I know people who are of different opinions than me uh, politically uh, I wouldn't say necessarily morally but but at least the very very least politically um, yeah I like the idea of people expressing different opinions, sharing their opinions, just having like a mature conversation uh, about those opinions. Uh, and if, if we're talking something that I feel that is morally not aligned with me, as yeah. long as I know that it's coming from a place of stress and other negativity, I know that that's one of those things that could also be something fleeting as well, something that could pass with time. And what you don't want to yeah, do with that true. kind of person, and what you don't want to do with a person like that is to isolate them uh, with people who are of the same mindset, because then their chances of mm. actually, you know, coming back to where they were are dramatically reduced. Uh, and what That's I, an interesting thought on that. Yeah, and I, I can understand what you're saying. I see a lot of people on social media go, oh, I just unfriended 50 people because, you know, I don't like that they like this or that or whatever, whatever mm -hmm. whatever for whatever reason. Yeah. And I think that, but, but then they're not. Their minds will never be exposed to your ideas and your worldviews. They'll never get a chance to come back to or even experience mm. what you have to share. Is that really good for them? Like, yes, you're making your life easier, um, not being part of their lives, but they're not getting the chance to be a part of your life. So I'm not mm. really. I mean, I mean, yeah, I get it. I, I see what you mean. Yeah. I, I mean, I get it, but but at the same time, now nah, I don't think I've ever unfriended anyone. Like if we're talking oh. social media, ever. Damn. I honestly don't know how many friends I have though on social media either. I mean, that's not well, like it that. depends, right? You, it it you're varies. Unfriended, but that's yeah. like a Facebook link. That's like right? a social. So on Twitter, yeah, it's following. So it's like you're not necessarily okay. saying like, "I hate this person forever," but you're like, "Sure, don't want to see what they're talking oh, about." Oh, right, today. right, right. But that that could be. I mean, you could you could unfollow someone for like annoying reasons as well. It doesn't have to be. Uh, but oh, yeah. I, I've tried to balance my, but that, we already touched upon this. I don't use Twitter, but I've tried to balance my mind both in Sweden and in, in America. Like I've, I've followed, you know, Republicans and Democrats. I've followed in Sweden as well, like right wing, left wing people. You know, I, I try yeah. to get like the broad, as broad of a spectrum of tweets as possible, but then I do not use Twitter. So I guess I'm not, that doesn't help me at all. But but at least ideologically, <laughs> it's good to know you've got the cross section. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, you know, just to get like different worldviews and stuff. Um, and it's really not representative of all at all of my political opinions. It's more like a, a um, an ethical opinion that I think that it. I don't want to isolate myself and live in a bubble of where I only, where mm -hmm. I'm only being told things that I agree with. I like seeing what people I disagree with have to say as well. I like to be aware of the reasoning that people are attempting to use to reach mm -hmm. the things that they think, whether it's something that I would personally feel vested in or whether it's something that like I disagree with. But the thing that I find interesting is that most of the time when I encounter somebody who I'm like, Oh man, I think that's a really fucked up, you know, a uh, stance they're taking on something. Mm -hmm. When I sit down and I listen to the way that they reach that conclusion, I feel like nine times out of ten, I'm like, oh, that's even more fucked up now that I know how they got there. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not like some ethical monolith or anything. I just find it interesting. I'm glad that we're having these conversations, whereas I feel like 20 years ago, I didn't find the occasion to have these kind of conversations as much, you know, to, to kind of weigh up like. It, it just wasn't the same kind of, I don't know. 
it wasn't the same environment to to kind of um i didn't feel like people were looking as deeply maybe at the ways that they align themselves because i think it felt like they just figured i'm just like whatever i'm just some schmo like what does it matter how i align myself or the people around me align themselves in terms of it could be anything it doesn't necessarily have to be politics per se no, but I think but you're I right. I really feel I, like it's nice to be talking about this stuff and exploring these things on a much larger level because I feel like I would hope that at least the result is people uh, taking a slightly closer look at how even the little thing, the little choices they make, the ethical ramifications of those. I think you're right. I think we've seen uh, almost like a surge of people finding alignment with other people on the internet, with celebrities. But we've seen what we were so used to seeing only being expressed between two political aisles, being represented in media as a whole, as well as social media. Um, but what's kind of what's kind of extra interesting is that, and this is just like the sense I've started to get from all of this is that it feels almost like this is the new religion without being religion. It's almost mm. like dogmatic. Like th these are the core principles and we need to align with these uh, core pr principles. Either, otherwise, um, it is, uh, you're a heretic, basically. Interesting. And, I see what you're saying. And I'm not yeah, saying... I, I could see a, like, a shade of that. There. But different dogmas. Like we have these splinter factions which you usually get in any new religion you'll see like if you go back to early christianity you'll see like early factions of like how how you before there's like a a, a central core authority that that can state what is dogma and what is not you'll have these smaller groups claiming to be like i am a prophet i am a prophet and right. I, I almost get minus the whole spiritual aspect you get like and maybe that is like telling of the times where people feel like we need to get our sense of our, we need to realign our moral compasses somehow. So we sort of group together and find people who think like us. And, and then we, but we sort of, uh, we almost um, exude the same type of behavior that a lot of religious people would normally do as well. We have that whole condemning of like, you're shunned, you're shunned. Like anyone of too much right, of a different the, the, opinion. The exaltation and the excommunication. Exactly. It has yeah. that type of tone to it um, where we're not really, and why should I listen to you? You're of a different opinion than I am. Uh, that is wrong. Yeah, that's according interesting. To, according to my core yeah. set of beliefs, I'll just shun you. Like It does have a lot of parallels with religious behavior. Yeah. That's, that's almost a like a point. religious, and maybe that's human behavior at its core. Yeah, but, Yeah, maybe that's all it is. But it feels like re really reminiscent of like fundamentalist religion somehow. It does. It has that sense to it. Just from like an outside context. Well, for me, it's like a, from an outside perspective because I'm not really dogmatic in terms of morals. I, I like different opinions. I like people. I like the discourse. Like the conversation mm -hmm. is so. It's almost too much fun. Like whenever I meet someone of, uh, uh, of almost like the opposite opinion of me, I want to pick their brain, and. Mm. Uh, so to me, that's just normally exciting, especially if not if it's not a friend, because then I'm not like emotionally invested in right. the opinions of that person, which means that I could just, you know, play around and just have a fun conversation like, oh, how do you come to that conclusion? How do you come to that conclusion without that being like a provocation for me? But I know that not everyone feels that way. Some people are really like provoked by the idea of someone uh, having an opinion that they at, at their core feel is, well, that's just wrong. And I get that as well. 
Right. No, I, I definitely, I, I find it interesting to hear your experience with it and to kind of think like, it, that's that's just a new angle on it that I hadn't, um, it, wasn't, it wasn't anything that I came to on my own. And it's interesting to see that, the way that you explain that perspective. I feel like a segue to tie it into our cuties here. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to return to deep thoughts with Nick and Nils another time. That's, yeah, uh, yeah, but it's always there. Yeah, it's always second, secondary podcast. Yeah, the uh, we we wanted to talk about magic on this episode. Yes, and something that isn't really doesn't seem to be something that either you or I added to the magical lore, the backstory behind what's going on in our story. It doesn't really seem to be very much belief based which is something that is quite often, or, or spiritual, which is something that seems to be very often a part of magic when it appears in stories. It, t- it tends to take on a religious tone. Yeah. But we don't really seem to have that with it. It seems almost more like it's a very functional magic. It kind of feels like we went like the Thor routes of magic. That magic is just, you know, another tool mm-hmm. in the toolbox. Right, right, right. It's a... It's a, it's a um, it's a system that provides results similar to the way that we expect science to preso- provide results yeah. for us. Right. And that was something that kind of I was addressing in episode 24. I think the one right before we did this where but before our we're saying this because as we're talking, we had just posted the episode 25, which is uh, short fuse and motor boater discovering something special inside motors old wrench. And in that episode 24 before this one, it's. Theoretic Al and Treasure, the the new operating system, the new sentient operating system uh, running the submarine, the two of them are researching together and they're trying to understand what it is that they're looking at in this squid technology that they've gotten their hands on. And I was trying to think to myself, well, if science is you do a series of events that we deem to be logical and this is the outcome you Mm -hmm. get. Could magic be the opposite of that? You follow the series of events, you expect to get something and it doesn't follow your logic, but yet there it is. Maybe, maybe that's magic in the world of our koalas or something along those lines. Not that you do often the characters are following what they feel to be the path that will give them a result. But it seems like magic is the, spontaneous uh, manifesting or the um, inexplicable finding a way to prevail. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because we've sort of already communicated that there's a certain degree of risk using magic. It doesn't necessarily turn out well for the magic user, which means that, yes, it's powerful, but think twice before using it. I really liked when we mm-hmm. discussed this uh, over instant messaging. You 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 had a good point. You compared using magic in this universe to uh, the Green Lantern verse, uh, where I do think it's pretty similar to yeah. that. And it's maybe just because I'm very compelled by a lot of the core ideas of the way that the power ring is supposed to work. But and I I probably just naturally gravitated towards that interpretation. But I don't even know if they really deem that as magic, right? DC doesn't. I, I don't think they they see it as a power magic sorts. But the comparison right. wasn't really in regards to, um, not not so much what is this magic or not, but rather the limitations of the power. So magic in our universe mm. seems only to be limited by the user's 
level of control, concentration, and imagination. Because we've seen, you know, Jane teleports. We've seen magical giant uh, astro koalas. Uh, we've seen yep. uh, the absorption of ghosts. Uh, we've seen all kinds of wacky things. Yep. There seems to be really no rules to magic except for the toll it takes on the user and what they seem to be able to... Because she's not casting spells. She's basically focusing on certain tasks and yeah very infrequently do does astral jane speak of casting a spell mm -hmm. I, I think maybe not even really i think you know when we get that first big squid attack on the koalas i forget what episode it is but it's in chapter two yeah. of our story jane says that she's meditating the shields in place yeah. and i think that what i was seeking to do there is that she's kind of tapping into this inner strength through this this magical meditation to to protect the ship but it's not a spell no. it's 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 more like a yeah it's like you're saying it's like a power and then we have another aspect of it which is the magic potion well you know what i want to do let's let's read so last last episode we had a conversation about we kind of teased that we have a system somewhat behind our magic yeah. And then our buddy, who had provided the pinup for the last episode and um, had asked us some great questions to discuss, Loch Ness, had sent us some yes, thoughts on, on... He had speculated on our conversation. And then this set off this huge conversation for you and I, where we realized that we each had our own headcanon for how we were approaching magic, but maybe we didn't have a set of rules. So mm -hmm. let me, how about I read Loch Ness's words, and then we can kind of talk about where that took us because i feel like that's really what we're getting at here is is the the conversation that these sparked so chris says it's hard for me to say the theme between magic characters so far since fist zone came and went so quickly it's hard for me to say the only thing i've noticed is that fist zone took control of the squid or whatever he did mm -hmm. and jane took control of smooth moves so uh, Loch Ness is referencing what we saw Fist Zone, and that probably would have been chapter maybe six or seven episodes. Excuse me, episode six or seven, chapter mm -hmm. two. And Fist Zone taps into this. What's going on with this squid? It actually might have even been more like eight or nine. I forget. And it all goes awry for Fist Zone when that happens. And Jane in in chapter four. Uh, so that would have been in the episodes in the late teens, early twenties. Um, she's able to. She's unconscious, but due to the actions of her <laughs> haunting friend, Miss L, mm -hmm. is able to kind of spark her consciousness and creates this, as we call it, giant glowing astral attack koala <laughs> yes. by, by using the conscious body of smooth moves and, and her unconscious energy and combine the two of them to do this. So, so Loch Ness was really uh, that was really on point. digging into the references because she has her eyes closed as she's the astral koala because she is technically still unconscious, right. so she's still asleep. And those koala. are the touches that you're bringing because that's not something we discussed. You just decided well, well she's unconscious, exactly. so her eyes will still be closed. Exactly, of course they are. <laughs> and I think that's cool that the yeah. magic isn't bound by how how uh, cognizant you are. You, you could be asleep and be doing magic, I guess, hypothetically, if that's the case, right? Mm -hmm. And so Loch Ness continues to say, but that's just the power of magic, of the magical person in the book, not really a theme of the magic, because I think that's, we were saying there were themes to our magic, mm -hmm. or maybe 
even more to, to update. At that the very least, it was like a common denominator that connects all magic, yeah, all yeah. magic users. Right. And, uh, and he goes on to say, obviously their powers take a lot out of them to the point where they can harm themselves in the process, especially Fist Zone, since he squitted himself. <laughs> squitted himself. He did. He really did. He squitted the shit out of himself. We really enjoyed those observations because for us, it felt like Chris was recognizing a lot of the unspoken things that we put into the ideas behind it. But then you said... Maybe we really need to be having a conversation about this because we might not have uh, any ground rules here. Yeah, I mean, this feels like something we could have. I mean, it doesn't really matter for the purposes of the story if we develop the the backstory for how magic actually works in the story. Because we know it's chaotic, we know it takes a toll, and that was really all we needed. But still, it feels good to have like answers to these questions. Um I agree. So yeah, we're having that conversation. Should we tell people what the actual common denominator is for? I mean, you can. It's one of the things you can see on the astral attack koala. It's even. It's even there, as part of her astral form. It's one hundred percent her. It's basically like a naked form of her, except for that one thing that is important for magic. That's also part of the astral form. Let's not say it. I feel like you did such a good job teasing it. I want to I wanna stretch it out to just one more episode. <laughs> okay, okay, we'll stretch <laughs> it out. That thing is the thing that all magic users have. Yeah, I think it's pretty much universal. I mean, yeah. does, no one can I'm, use magic. I don't have it open to me right now, but you, the, the, the one who has been in control of, of every uh, visualization here, every panel... It, mm-hmm. Does that also apply to our squids in the yeah. mystic militia? Every magic user squid yeah, and every magic user koala has some version of this item, including got fist. So, so. I, got, I got it. So in on this earth where our koalas reside, this is a necessary element for these magic users. Yeah. That may be upended as we progress into our story some more. I think we're going to see some characters that don't necessarily fit that paradigm for reasons yep. which will make sense when we get there. It, around, like we were saying last episode, maybe around June or something like that, our, those that storyline will begin. It's kind of like at the halfway point. Yeah. Not even kind of. It's 100% exactly at the It is the point. exact <laughs> halftime point, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was designed to spark off our halfway point on a different... Uh, with a different tone. And for me, that was not something you and I had thought we were going to get into. No. Um, and it was really fun to go there. I, it's it's weird to talk about it without saying what it is, but we can tease that a little bit. We we had so many different routes we wanted to take for, for book two. Uh, you're, we have, and we have a bunch of unused concept for that as well. Mm, like mm-hmm. different types of ways we could have taken the story. Yeah, yeah. A but, lot of really great unused art that you did where we were going to go a totally different direction. Yeah. I think instead of looking outward, which is what we ended up doing, we were going to look inward. Inward, yeah, exactly. That was the ex- that was the one I was thinking of. And that would have been interesting as well, but I really liked oh, the yeah. route we took. Yeah, I like it. And it's it's interesting to me because as we're sitting here talking about this stuff, you know, this has been five years in the making for us. And I, if we decided to do more beyond page 160 that we have outlined, I still don't know where that's going to go. 
Is that going to go inward? Is that going to look outward in a different way? Is it going to... Uh, I don't know. I don't know where the obstacle yeah. would come from or, or the the big adventure would... I don't know how that adventure would play out, but it's fun to think that it could be something that we haven't even considered yet. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> but as for the stuff but, we've begun to consider more deeply, yeah. the magic, um, I think, you know, I was inspired by what Loch Ness said and, and what you were saying about how we should have a conversation about this. And I kind of thought to myself, well, what, when I'm writing this stuff, what rules do I have in place? And, and one of the things that I identified first and foremost was that I feel like whenever I'm writing a character that's using magic in cute crew, they always seem to have an interest in magic. Nobody's really doing it automatically without some kind of, you know, whether somebody else is asking them to do it or they themselves want to do it, there has to be a level of interest because I guess I'm tired of these stories where magic is some scary thing that takes over. Yeah. Almost like a punishment sort of, that's yeah, how you I, balance I, out. I, I didn't want to explore that. Yeah. Hurting the character with magic. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want it to be a punishment. I didn't think we needed to do that. It, I, Agency is kind of an underlying theme that we go back to over and over again, whether it's the the fact that our koalas, the, the chief beef is constantly trying to assign somebody else to have agency over the team, or it's, you know, um, what, what agency do they have in the choices that they get to make? And I wanted magic to be a, a tool of agency. And I guess I didn't really realize that until I started trying to write this stuff out. And I mm. feel like in the way that you've approached it. That's always, whether or not you and I discussed that, I feel like that was fairly implicit in our understanding of the way that magic would work. Cause I can't think of something you drew that was ever opposed to that. I just, I think that comes down to great script. Honestly, I think that comes down to great script writing. You're usually pretty specific with what magic, like how it should behave, where the glow should be coming from. If we have any other, like there's a specific magic user who's, uses magic differently that comes along further in the story. Oh, I know. And, I can't and, wait for them. And, so and, and, and we have, and magic looks a bit different when this character uses magic and you, you're very specific with what that kind of looks like. Um, there, there's also a way how we communicate visions with magic, which will come along later as well. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Which That's also true. has, yeah, like it's coming up soon. Actually. I think maybe, yeah. it, we, maybe within the next month or so that should be coming up. That's that's a big yeah, and that that character you're alluding to, who I just I I'm really excited for them. They're my main rival for Astral Jane in terms of how much I I enjoy seeing them on the page. It's it's a they, it's, it's a Nick Marino character definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, it's a character that uses magic the way I think I would personally want to use magic if I could. If <laughs> if there's something in my life that is magical to me, the way that they use it is the thing that I find to be most personally magical. I think that character has my favorite room out of all the rooms. Mm. You killed it's, that design. I, I can't love, wait. I love that room. That's <laughs> it, such a good It annoys setting. me that we have to get to the midpoint to even introduce some of that stuff. Because yeah. some of those yeah. things are some of my favorite things in our story that I wish we'd been... But we didn't even think of them until that point. Yeah. I mean, the story kind of grew organically. We start out, yeah. we start out small, we go big later. That's usually how it goes. And, yeah, um, and I, I, I mentioned this to you, you know, when we were doing one of our Evil Life podcasts. I had this weird encounter 
not weird, but it felt kind of weird, maybe a couple of years, or maybe even just one year into us starting the evil life. So this would have been, it had to be at least 2012 or earlier. And I was, I was at this artist's meeting where a bunch of us would just get together and talk. And this young artist I'd never met before was there. And she was like, I've been doing all these paintings, but I'm not sure why I'm doing them. Hmm. And, and she's like, I don't know what to do with them next. Like, I like the way they look, but I feel like, should I be sharing them? Am I messing up by somehow not trying to sell them or, or put them in galleries? And I had this really weird moment where I guess she must have been tapping into something I often felt. And I didn't even know it. And I said to her, I was like, well, why did you make them in the first place? And she was like, I guess I just wanted to spend time in that world. <laughs> and, I, and I had never, I had always made comics because I felt like I needed to have an end goal in mind. I need to go to this convention and sell it. I need to somehow build a name as somebody who made comics by making this kind of comic. I need to interact in this space. I, I always thought of it like I was there for the end result. And when she said that, I realized so much of what, and it's a lot of it's in retrospect, but at the time I realized kind of why I was so excited about the evil life. And now I've, I've seen that theme pull me all the way through to here, which is, I just really want to spend time with these characters. And well, yeah, you mean you know me? I, I yeah, can definitely you too. already relate. I can already relate to that. Uh, yeah, and that's a big part of what I think. Um, sometimes why I I feel antsy about wishing some of the characters were in the story sooner, or why I have so many ideas about magic, uh, where they come from, but almost unspoken within me, is because I just wanted to spend time with these characters that I like and see them do things in a way that I would find interesting. And I think that that's a big inspirational thing for me in trying to nail down why are these the tenets of magic that I put into it. Well, because that's the way I'd like to see characters use it. And I know that sounds simple, but why do it otherwise? Yeah, no, I agree. We do so many things in our life that we don't really want to do or that we don't enjoy. Yeah, why turn this into work? Yeah, I mean, this is a space where we should want to see our hopes for this stuff kind of come to life. At least that's how I feel about it. I don't, I don't know if I'm saying anything that's, that sounds deep, but to me, it speaks to what I was trying to do when I was writing these characters of magic. Or, or I, I think we hit, te- I think we hit peak deepness when we talked uh, <laughs> politics earlier. But, but, but yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Um, <laughs> But I'm, 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 I mean, I'm of the same mindset. It's really about, it's about enjoying the process and world building is a huge part of that. As okay, so let talking, me ask you something. Oh, yeah. no, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. No, I was just thinking about the whole magic thing again. Not that I want to backtrack too much to that, but uh, do you still have that as a wallpaper? That image from James Brown? Yeah, yeah, I do. I leave it up. It's, a, it's my favorite. It has a huge hint on what that thing we're talking about. If you look, like it is pretty much there. Oh yeah, it's it's right it's right there. But you know what's fun it's about right it there. is yeah. Um, and it even if you look at how it's communicated in the picture. Now we sort of have to give it away later, like in the next episode at the very oh, least. Oh, we have to. I mean, but, well, but, it's obvious I mean, at this point. If you go, if you go back to uh, this, would be episode. 
I'll tell people if you're playing 15, along at home. It's, it's episode 15. I'm at it right okay, now. And yeah, and, it's, uh, it's obvious. I mean, if you think about it, if it, I even drew it as being slightly askew. If you look at the first panel, like it's almost off, but it just barely hangs on because I wanted that sense of drama. If you knew how important that thing was for Jane, knowing that if it just falls off even slightly, she's pretty much toast. Like she's at the bottom of the ocean. It's what's pretty much holding her uh, bubble, yeah. air bubble together as well. And it's it's a really and, and that's why it's such, such a huge and important. It's just if you look at the way it, um, I'm just gonna say it the the, the way it shines in the final yeah. image of that issue. She has that very same shine. They're almost like equals in that world, and that's really also like a way yeah. to communicate. And notice that the background her isn't the the one in the um, like the the. the the one the far back in the landscape uh, isn't wearing it. There's only one in the image. Right, right. Well, that was good. Are, You're, there aren't multiple. Your mic cut out just a little bit as you were saying oh. what was happening. No, no, it's good. Don't re don't re say it. Believe we'll no, the, I would we'll leave it. We'll leave it obscure. We'll but yeah, I think that's and and that leads us to one of the big things that we settled on when we were laying down our grand rules for magic, which is mostly laying it down in in retrospect because because so much yeah. of this is done but it is going to affect the way that characters talk about this stuff i'm sure it'll change some of the scripting that happens and it'll it'll who knows if it'll inform the covers or, or anything else that that gets drawn from here on out but objects are a really big part of the way that our characters interact sure. with magic objects and color are two like major aspects of this story overall and we so we started talking about colors at the start of this episode if yeah. you really want to learn who jane is as a character you can look at just that image and if you know that red is bad yeah that information that tells alone, you, yeah. yeah yeah and you have to traverse that whole red road to get to jane if you're messel in that image you know it's a difficult road to travel and the potion isn't necessarily a good thing as well right. the bottle but... the bottles are red Magical Potentially, potion. that's one object that may facilitate Jane's magic, as we allude to, or yes, at least as Jane exactly. believes. But and that's something it... that we address much further along yeah. in the story. It's not a huge scene, but it is kind of a fun. I it like that is... kind of scene. You know, it, 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 it was it in is, you all yeah. along scene. <laughs> yeah, but it, it is one of those things. Like, is magic a, magic potion a good thing or not? Is it a crutch or is it a like that kind of that kind of. Um to have that kind of conversation. And I really wanted that to be an aspect of, and this is early Jane before we'd figured it out, but we kept everything as it was in her astral mind because it still kind of worked yeah. even though we changed her a little bit as we kept working on the yeah, story. It's true, none of it changes. I do, so when we did this scene, this episode 15 scene, probably four years ago or something like that. Yeah, this was early, yeah. Was, Jane was, this was still alcohol instead of potion, wasn't it? Yeah, early on, we had her, yeah, we, we, we wrote her as an alcoholic, originally. But it wasn't really, the funny thing is, I don't really think that we spent much time using that word. We just kind of, that was just kind of where we went to first. And then as we continued to develop it, it seemed like maybe for their world or, or, or these circumstances, Magic Potion was a more interesting or fun twist on it 
and, and it feels like I don't know if it's a tr- Saturday morning trope or not, but whenever you'd want to add like a more adult aspect to any like morning cartoon show, you'd probably somehow disguise it disguise it as something that's sort of in that world instead. Like for instance, Magic Potion would it, it fe- at least feels like something they do if they want to have a stand-in for alcohol in the show. Yeah. No, I definitely I know exactly what you're talking about. It's um, uh, <laughs> we didn't need to because it's our own story, no. but we yeah. I think enjoyed playing with those kind of um, creating parallels as opposed as opposed to something being directly what we would know it as. So that that kind of dovetails into what I felt like was the next tenant of magic in my mind that I imagined that that was part of the way that characters used it in this cute crew world was there is a level of instruction to it. You don't really see any characters seemingly using magic without understanding that they're using magic, at least not on any type of regularity. And that dovetails in with the objects idea. So they are taught, we imagine, when you go to um, Adorbs Academy, which is advanced defenses, occult research and battle sciences, Will you imagine that the occult research portion of it is when any potential magic user would be learning how to use that magic? Magic. And I, 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 <laughs> I kind of like that, uh, that it's, we're not talking just innate ability. Right. It, it's, which is, it's, which it's is more, part of it, I think. Yeah, it's more matter of fact. It's more... Um, it's a little more down to earth. I think the Thor magic analogy is pretty apt in this in this case. Again, like magic is a tool, much like other tools. Yeah, I think so. I'm gonna leave a little of the the magical sound on for now. <laughs> Go for it. Thanks. Uh, and but that does bring us to innate ability, which was kind of like the third tenant in my mind that I was working with from Headcanon, which is like, could short fuse use magic? Probably not. Nah. I just don't think he could do it. I don't think he's got it in him. And that's fine. I'm pretty sure he's fine with him, himself as well. Doesn't feel like... Does, does he even believe in it? Probably not. Nah, not probably that he not. doesn't believe not. it if he sees it, but... You know, would that be his... Would that be a path that he would even try to choose? I can't really imagine him going that route. Hmm... Now it doesn't fit. I mean, it doesn't fit reluctantly. So let's say they're presented with like a situation where magic has to be used and by him as well. I, I can see him. I could see him in that very particular instance use magic. Well, if you know, he even even without like yeah. say he was given the, during the right circumstances. Let's say anyone could learn magic in that universe. I'd say he'd do so reluctantly and poorly yeah. as well. well you know what if we get into this stuff down the line he is left in a very unique place at the end of when we wrap up everything we've got planned at the moment Mm -hmm. yeah now that we said it you know one of my favorite things is you say it and then you realize but would he refuse to use it maybe i'm wrong about that maybe there's actually a really interesting story in exploring how he would approach it if he needed to oh yeah 
Yeah, you take the least likely magic user and you put them in a situation where there is really no other option than them using it for some reason. Like, I, I imagine him approaching magic much like he'd approach any other task, like very technically, uh, very, like, and grumpily as well. Like, he'd oh, be yeah. really angry about it, make a f big fuss, but... Yeah, I mean, why why have rules and barriers idea. within your own story if not to break the rules and barriers at some point? <laughs> But at the same time, like Fuse is kind of like comfort food. It's nice. It's nice having him in the same place in the story. Like that's true. Just because, like, just him being him is really, for me at least, him being probably my favorite character is also enough for me. I guess. I know what you mean. I'm just, I know exactly what I'm you're just, saying. Yeah. As we're talking, I'm just scrolling through all the episodes. I think I'm mostly looking for inconsistencies. <laughs> if I ever like, like, have I missed? No, but I so far it's all consistent with. I don't really think you have discussed. many of those. I spent a lot of time no. looking at this artwork, and I got to tell you, if if there's any significant inconsistency, it is completely blown past me as well. Nice. One thing we skipped, and I think for the better, was that originally. Uh, Jane had these weird flotation devices around her arms. Uh, like, Look, it was a funny idea. I like the, I like the floaties, but I think I think it connected to the whole idea of them being called the cute crew, and we wanted more, and I wanted to add more cutesy looking details. But 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 as her character developed, and she felt more and more like when you started sending me the scripts, she felt more and more like this mature kind of like main character plus. It, it would have contrasted as well between her and Miss L as well, had they been too mm -hmm. cutesy, both of them. Mm -hmm. So it made sense to remove stuff like that. I think she used to have ankle bracelets as well. Yeah, yeah. I think actually, Originally, in some of the in some of the earlier pages, she still has them. I think I stopped drawing them because I got lazy. To be honest, I don't think I don't think there was anything wrong. It felt like a mystic because she has the those Wonder Woman type of bracers, and she could easily have kept her her uh, ankle bracelets as well. But I think it was re it really came down to you know reducing the number of details, you know, to speed up the process and to streamline. But also, it felt more aligned with the original concept that these should be pretty simple designs. All these characters, yeah. And that was just one detail too many because she already had like the pattern on her clothing and like she had plenty of detail compared to the right. others. Like if you look right. at Al, he's basically this square piece of this this square piece of paper almost like he's just this white thing with boots and a head. So I felt like a detail a detail reduction felt felt appropriate. Al's Al's detail is. It's 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 not necessarily in his appearance. Let's say no. well, it's his fitting. complexity. It's it's fitting for his personality. He was the name that I struggled with the most when we were working on these characters, because first off, the word theoretical doesn't get used that much anyway, and then <laughs> saying theoretic Al feels a little weird, and then at some point, <laughs> which we're gonna encounter very soon. The name itself became a plot point, which I'm looking forward mm -hmm. to. It's going to be fun. Yeah. I just really hope it works because there's a specific quirk about comic book lettering where you, you traditionally letter in all caps. So something that's going to happen to Al is a bit of a meta 
reference to that all caps oh, yeah. lettering. But combined with the way that we process yeah. uppercase and lowercase characters outside of comic book dialogue. So it's going to be, I, I'm not quite, I'm, I'm a few weeks away from lettering that stuff. And I'm really interested to see how it's going to play out. I, I don't know how well it's going to communicate, but I hope it communicates well. Because it is going to be, it's going to be weird in the lettering stage to explain that plot point. <laughs> but that will be, no, but I like it. I like the meta aspect of it as well. Like the, the, the medium helps communicate the change. Yeah, yeah, it does. And it's it was fun for us. I mean, we had one character who was supposed to have something hidden about themselves and then we discarded it. And then Al kind of picked up the, the, and it, we decided to give him his own hidden oh, it, quality. In in my headcanon, the disqualified uh, thing of another character is possibly still headcanon. I haven't completely ruled that out because it still you works for the story. I, no, I agree with you. I was. I think we mentioned this in our last episode. I was going through yeah. concept art recently, and I came across the concept art for that hidden thing. Yes. And I was exactly. like, maybe we should just keep it. it. Yeah, and we still have the hints left we left the hint in there yeah it's not gone it's all still there and it, and it would make a lot of sense if it happened now we're just talking about like hypotheticals regarding something that people will never understand what we're talking about but, but uh, maybe they will maybe if you if you read the comic two years from now when we've addressed it and you listen to this episode you know that person who has that combination of the one person who did it or whatever maybe it'll be fun if for you... them to know they'll, they'll know what we're talking about if you think Nick Marino should keep the the little hidden detail reveal secret thing and then use it later on in the plot, hit him up at nickmarino at gmail.com. Did I get that one right? And let him know. Oh, oh wait, do you hear that? Like it just came out of nowhere. Oh, amazing. That was crazy. Wow.